You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rao Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more. We don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good day. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack-a-lackin', baby? What's crack-a-lackin'? It's time for the serious side of the James Brown Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Good Sunday morning to you folks. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Rao Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. I'm the show's host, J. Rao. We should be up and running pretty soon. We apologize for the inconvenience. So sit back and relax and enjoy some smooth jazz until then. You're in tune to the serious side of the J. Rao Show right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. We should be broadcasting very soon. Keep it locked right here. Sunday morning to you folks. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Rao Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. I'm the show's host, J. Rao. We should be up and running pretty soon. 
we apologize for the inconvenience. So sit back and relax and enjoy some smooth jazz until then. You're in tune to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. We should be broadcasting. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. Iran says crew members of that British flagged tanker Iran, Iranian, Iranian forces seized in the Strait of Hormuz are safe and in good health. NPR's Joanna Kikissis reports from London, though, that the British government says Iran will face consequences if it does not release the tank. A top port official in Iran's Hormozgan province told the country's government-run media that all 23 crew members on the tanker, called the Stena Ampero, are currently in the port of Bandar Abbas. The crew members are from India, Latvia, the Philippines, and Russia. Iran says it raided the Stena Ampero because it collided with an Iranian fishing vessel and broke international maritime law. Britain says that's not true. British Defense Secretary Penny Mordaunt insists the tanker was in the territorial waters of the Arab country of Oman. She calls Iran's capture of the Stena Ampero a hostile act. Joanna Kakissis, NPR News, London. Radio traffic from the moments before Iran seized the vessel is circulating today. The audio released by the maritime security firm Dryad Global. An Iranian naval officer can be heard telling the vessel to change course as a British officer on board a frigate in the area warns the Iranians against violating international law by boarding the tanker. Forecasters say the heat wave that's been roasting much of the country is having its last gasp today. The National Weather Service warning of dangerous heat and humidity in parts of the central U.S. and along the east coast. But Weather Service forecaster Bob Borovec says conditions will begin easing tomorrow. As we go into the beginning of the week, actually, we're going to have cooler than average weather spreading eastward from the central part of the country on Monday. And then on Tuesday, it'll be getting into the eastern part of the country. So by uh, midweek, we're going to have actually below average temperatures across a good part of the central to eastern United States. But first today, Orovex says heat from the southern plains to the east coast combined with humidity will make it feel like a well over 100 degrees. Members of an indigenous tribe that straddles both the U.S.-Mexico borders say a proposed section of border fence in Arizona threatens one of their sacred traditions. This week, the tribe's local government approved a resolution opposing the wall. From Emerson, Mexico, Murphy Woodhouse, member station KJZZ reports. The U.S. government plans to build roughly 43 miles of Bollard-style fencing in Pima County. While not passing through the reservation, the barrier would block the route used by the Da'ana-Ogden tribe for their salt pilgrimage. It would cause a sacred journey to be on a traditional route that has been done for many, many years. That's Verlin Jose, the governor for tribal members south of the border. He says salt harvested from the Sea of Cortez coast is used in ceremonies. The pilgrimage to get it is a rite of passage for young men. For now, construction of the barrier is on hold pending the outcome of federal litigation over border wall funding. For NPR News, I'm Murphy Woodhouse in Animalcillo, Mexico. And you're listening to NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side... Robert Mueller will testify before two U.S. House committees about his report on Russian interference in the 2016 election and possible collusion and obstruction of justice involving President Trump and his White House. 
In May, Mueller told reporters not to expect much beyond what is already contained in his report. And the report is my testimony. I would not provide information beyond that which is already public in any appearance before Congress. Well, first I want to say uh, thank you to all of you for uh, being here today. And I want to send a message of gratitude and thanks to the solidarity that we have received from every corner of our country, from our colleagues to our neighbors. We are grateful for your solidarity, your encouragement, and your support in the face of the most recent xenophobic, bigoted remarks from the occupant of our White House. Representative Ilhan Omar. of a really great state. I almost won, the first time in decades and decades, Minnesota. Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. Outrage here in New York City. A police officer will not face federal charges in the choking death of Eric Garner five years ago. A video of the incident shows Garner saying, I can't breathe at least 11 times before falling unconscious. He later died. Tonight, his family says the Justice Department failed them. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Ryle. Sunday morning to you folks. Today is July 21st, 2019, and you're tuned to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. And it's best like the man said, I'm J. Rouse. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your Sunday morning with us. And of course, as always, I'm never sure to stay by myself. Let me introduce you to some of the best in the business. First up, she's my big sis. I know, man, she keeps watching CNN, but we got to pull over to MSNBC. But I tell you what, after two weeks of being solid, I know she has a lot to say. Let's bring her in, the one and only Miss Vanessa Maybelli from the Macanelli. Hey, Vanessa, what's going on? Good morning, Jay. Good morning, everybody. Thank y'all for being here. And I am so excited about today's show because I know we have a lot of stuff to discuss. <laughs> So I'm going to let you yeah, carry on. Stuff I'm ready. Uh, got a lot of rapping and clapping to do to make up for lost time from last week. We'll tell you we about do. that a little, a little later in the show. All right. The man. He is called the official texter of the show, but we're going to remove that moniker and just call him one of the very best in the business. My little brother, I call him the educator rapper, the one and only Mr. Johnny D and the place to be. What's going on, man? How you doing, brother? I am blessed. I am blessed and glad to be back in the homes and in the airways of, of, of all of the listeners. And again, just ecstatic about the opportunity that's presented each week. And I know it's a lot to talk about, but Miss um, Vanessa, good morning. Mr. Left, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Dome, I know we'll be joining. And to my inspiration, Jay Ryle, for 30 some years, brother, for 30 some years. Absolutely, man. You can't be that. It brings a smile to my face when I think about it, man. God has blessed me with some beautiful folks in my life, and uh, you know you are right there, brother. So he is in the house. Good morning. Nothing but love for you, little bro. And the man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, 
the one and only, my brother from another mother, the man himself, the man who really runs everything around here, the one and only, Mr. L to the E to the S. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Good, good, good morning, Hawk. Good morning, Nessun. And good morning, J. Wow. Uh, man. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Uh, there has been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks, man. Having a great time, though. I bet you have. <laughs> Still, he has losing money in Las Vegas. He's back in the house. Yeah. This is Jerome Street on streetradio.net. Yeah, he was there, of course. But that's why I know he should have got your permission before he went because, you know, you're just uh, the mayor of Las Vegas. You guys can talk about that offline. <laughs> Mr. Jerome is free, the man that usually joins us after, uh, the smartest man in the world usually joins us after his commitment with Clear Channel Radio. So he'll be along here shortly. And, of course, we also hear in the third set from our director of uh, – Social media outreach, Miss Jackie. She'll tell you how to stay in contact with the show. Plus, we have a special announcement for you guys. We're going to talk to you about show dates for the J. Ryle Show next month. Ten years, two shows next month. Stay tuned. We'll give you the times and dates so you can participate and hang out with the old crew. That's going to be a fun, fun time for everyone. The number is 347 Like the, everyone has said, we have a lot to talk about. Let me give you the rundown. First up, Mueller testifies in front of Congress this week. We'll talk about that. Now, will his appearance change the narrative, or is this a whole bunch, a whole lot to do about nothing? We'll talk about that coming up here in a short, short Send her back. Those were a chance at a Klan, oh, excuse me, I mean, Donald Trump rally this past week. He talked about four freshman congresswomen. We're going to talk about that. This guy is doubling down on it. Is this smart politics or does Trump know what he's doing? Is he crazy like a fox? And third, and the third and final said, obviously, just a disappointing news coming out of New York. The officer that put the illegal chokehold on Eric Gardner will not be charged. And our dear friend, uh, uh, the Attorney General of the, of the United States of America has his hands in this thing. And I tell you what, man, I mean, you know, it's almost par for the course. Once again, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Let's get right into it. You can be a part of it. You can call us in. You can call in and talk to us, or you can participate in Chatterbox. Your call, your choice, or you can hang out on social media, go to the World Famous Chat Room. We want to hear from you, and we'll definitely read your comments, um, well, some of your comments in Chatterbox uh, towards the end of the show. Let's get right into it, though. Um, all right, so this week, Mueller testifies in front of Congress. And so, Mr. Elias, it's just a simple question. What do you think is going to happen from this? Do you think this is going to change the narrative, or is this going to be the same old stuff, just a different day? Because, you know, bottom line is Trump supporters are Trump supporters, and they're not going to – they're not going to leave this guy. What do you think? Do you think it's going to make a difference with Bob Mueller uh, testifying this week in front of Congress? Not with his face, Jay, but with the independent voters that are undecided, that have not had any interest in the Mueller case or anything that goes on with it, yeah, I think it, I think it would influence them. I really do. But the, the base, they don't care what he does. They could care less. That's why I, I said no matter what, what – but anybody does, the base will not care. And those people that really watch Fox News, they won't give a they won't give a care either, because they don't. The Fox News is not going to report what, what what's going on with Mueller at all. So, is it going to make a difference with the independent voters that are undecided? I think it will. I think it, I think I think that it will push a lot of people towards impeachment. A lot more people towards impeachment. I really do. Well, all right. Well, that's uh, to be uh, okay. We'll talk about that. 
What about you, Vanessa? What do you think? You think that uh, Bob Mueller's appearance in front of Congress is going to change the narrative, or do you think it's just going to be the same old stuff? Nothing's going to happen. What say you? I agree totally with Les. I think that the racist KKK people that he is attracting, I think it's not going to change them because that's his party. I think that these stupid women that are standing there saying that he didn't say anything racist, that what the lady said was racist, I don't think it's going to change their mind. But I do believe that the black Republicans will possibly change their minds. And I also believe that the people that are walking the line and don't know which direction to go in, I think it's, I'm like this, I think it's going to change their minds if, only if, some good stuff come out. Now, if they sit up there playing pedal patter with their feet and ain't really saying nothing, Jay, nothing's going to change. You understand what I'm saying? But if some stuff really come out of his mouth, that's what people are waiting to hear. They want to hear it come out of Mueller's mouth. They want to hear and look at his face when he says it. They don't want to read no report because I didn't read one. They don't want to do that. So I see that there might be some change with the people walking the line, but nothing's going to change the people that are racist. No, they love it. He's changing his base. Nothing's going to change. And I got some friends that I'm shocked. That's what the big deal is, Jay, is that how many of our personal friends that we had no idea that even though he's a racist and he's an open racist, they're still clinging with him, so it makes me wonder, do you really like me, or are you playing with me like you like me? Because who sticks with a racist if you are, you got black friends? I don't get it. So it makes me wonder. Makes you wonder. You know, Johnny D., Vanessa said something earlier in her response. She talked about the Klan people, the people that support, uh, you know, Donald Trump are Klan people. Is it is that a fair assessment? When we say that now, because at the end of the day, I know some people who support him, and, uh, you know, they're not, ra- they're not racist. Mm-hmm. They just support him because of, from a financial standpoint, they vote what we tell people to do every week, vote your pocketbook, vote, you know, what's going to do what's in the best interest for your family. These people have money. They say, hey, this guy is providing us what we need. You know, we don't like what he says, but at the end of the day, you know, we just want him to continue to do what he's doing for us from a uh, financial standpoint so we can take advantage of, you know, our status. What say you in regards to that? I'll start off by addressing the original question, if that's okay, Jay. Uh, Will the Mueller uh, testimony, will will it change or sway the minds of Americans? And and Mm -hmm. the question that I'll pose is that laws are meant for who? Honest people. So I say that to equate it to this here. Those who already understand that there are some criminal activities um, and some indiscretions that have gone on with Donald Trump since his presidency. I think what it does, it reaffirms and confirms uh, the testimony to hear it live and to hear it hopefully in plain text with the with the with the questioning that I hope that uh, this 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 bipartisan uh, group will will portray so that it it will be uh, it'll be put out there to the American people so that everybody can understand it. So. Will it change the base? Uh, will it change the, the tone? It will not. I think what it does, it gives Donald Trump an opportunity to swing the narrative now 
and, and once again sat in the victim seat and, and pretend that, okay, this is all made up and, you know, that the, the, that the Democrats are, are for them. So it will be more divisive. But for a person like myself who tries to say, you know, center, center of, of, of politics and, you know, listen to the facts and then confirm the facts, it will, it will most likely um, inform me of some things that maybe I didn't know and put it in plain text to where I could better understand it. Now, as far as Donald Trump's base being racist, um, what I have seen in the, in the display of the Trump hats, the Trump flags, uh, the Pence flags, I think that there is a large group of individuals who do that to show who they are, okay, which means that they are, we associate the extreme and, and the radical, the, the terrorism, the nationalists, as far as Donald Trump's base. So I think some of them step out there and say, okay, you know what, instead of showing the Confederate flag, this is not my new Confederate flag. So I do believe that there's a strong portion of those individuals who do that. And then I think it's those persons who are just anti-establishment, anti-Washington, anti-government, and Donald Trump is the voice of their reason, which means he does whatever he wants to, he says whatever he wants to. And there, there's people who get entertained by that, because they too have probably been, you know, ostracized or, or been victimized by some, some, some garnishment of taxes or you never know what people do to drive them to say, you know what, the government is corrupt. Then all of a sudden you get this guy up there who goes totally against the status quo. So there's some people out there champion for him because you know what, in their mind and their opinion, he's the underdog. So I think you've got a small portion of people who who display the Trump um regalia and paraphernalia based on their anti-government, but then a, a significant amount of it, that is their new flag of racism and oppression. Uh, make no mistake about it. Um, when, when, when I go to, you know, our, our state fair and, and, you know, you know, shame us again for, for the Greenville Act uh, with this with this state of North Carolina, but you know there is there those those individuals who are out there with the Trump paraphernalia, and they walk around purposely, hoping that they can get a confrontation. And you see it in them. You know, it's like okay, they they will walk around proudly, hoping that somebody will say something. But you know, the best thing that we can do to those individuals that I found, just ignore them. You know, you you displaying who you are, you displaying who who, who you want to support, and that's perfectly fine. But to ignore them does them more damage. You know, they, they, they get boots now at, 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 at our state fair, and they sit out there, you know, with all the Trump regalia on, and, you know, they just waiting on, on some uh, uh, ability to confront individuals. And some of them entertain them, you know, and uh, like I say, it, 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 it's kind of twofold. I do think that it is the new flag of nationalist and racism and oppression, but at the same time, I think that there is a small portion who do it simply because of anti-government and some of the heartaches that they have probably faced. You know, that's a, that's a hell of an answer there. But let me but let me go back to you here on this one, Mr. Elias. When we, you know, will the Democrats, and I think what happened was with this Mueller's, with the Mueller report, and this is just my, my opinion, I think that they put too much on the Mueller report, that they put all their cards in, they pushed all their chips on, they bet on black, and they lost. Or they bet on red, and they lost. They put all their chips in on this report, and when the report came out, and we came out and didn't say, you know, affirmatively, affirmatively that this guy broke the law, 
it allowed the Attorney General William Barr to change the narrative. It allowed the President to yell at the top of the lungs, at the top of his lungs, saying no collusion. Most Americans uh, bought off on that. Even when you go back and look at the Saturday Night Live uh, thing they used to do with uh, with, Bo, with with Baldwin playing Trump, you know, when they did that whole thing after the report, they talked about no collusion, no dignity, no doubt. I mean, the narrative was set by the White House and by the Attorney General's office. So, for me, I don't know how Mueller's testimony is going to change that narrative. I don't because first of all, it happens during the day. And, and that's the thing is, most Americans are at work. They're not looking at this stuff. So what they do is, when they get home, they go to their choice of information, whether it's Fox News, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSNBC, or whether they just tune into their local news broadcast. They're not going to get the full picture. And, of course, if they listen to Fox, you know, Fox is not going to put out anything that's going to be derogatory to the president. To me, that's the issue. Why can't they do these things in prime time where people can tune in and form their own opinion? Well, Jay, they're never going to do that, but I have to disagree with you. The, the Mueller report, uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it thoroughly uh, it convicts the president of crimes. It does. No, no I didn't say that. I said that they controlled the narrative. I agree with you. They controlled the well, narrative. Yeah. You can still ask people to this day, Mr. Elias, hey, well, they didn't find anything in the Mueller report. That's BS. You know why? Because they get that information from their source. That's why. Right. Of course, that's true. But I, like I said earlier, Fox News is never going to, no matter if they'd have found something, what do you think Fox News would have said? They found something? No. You're never going to get that. What you're going after right now is the independent voters that are not, that are not decided. That's the ones you're going after. But don't Those you think they've already made up their mind? You don't think the you don't think the independent you don't think the independents have said okay? I'm just asking. If you don't think so, no. I think they have. But you they know, don't, no, my I opinion. don't think. I think. I think that once once they because those people are, I will pay attention. To what the what, what the Mueller report is saying, and they'll watch different 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 news venues, and those those news venues will report. I I, I I truly believe that, but you know when you got William Barr who comes out and says, "Hey, look, nothing here, nothing to see," and I'm not going to release it. He still has not released the whole unredacted version of the Mueller report. Why? Why? People have. People have given up on getting an unredacted version of it. Why? Why has Congress or, or, or the Senate has not seen the unredacted version? There's, there's a reason why. Well, look, let, let me give uh, uh, Vanessa, uh, you know, let's go back. To, let me give you the last word on this set. Uh, you know, the bottom line is when it comes to this Mueller report, you said you agree with Mr. Elias in regards to whether it's going to change the mind of some of those independents. And see, to me, I just don't think it's going to have an impact. I'm just, it's just me. I don't think it's going to have an impact at all. Because if everything this guy has done so far, listen, they have this guy on tape talking to uh, Michael Conan about paying off Stormy Daniels. There was a report out this week saying that the president was involved with this whole thing, yet the only person that sits in jail behind this is Michael Conan when they have 
uh, evidence that he was talking to Hope Hicks and he was talking to the president. I don't think it's going to change the, the narrative. I think what has happened was all Americans, even those who supported Trump, this is my belief, and I'll give you the final word on this. My belief is that even folks who were supporting the president says, man, if this thing comes back and says he was bogus, we're going to have to rethink our position. But please, God, let it say something different. And when they allow William Barr to come in and change the narrative and the president to yell at the top of his lungs, no collusion, and the fact that Robert Mueller did not say that the president, because people wanted him to say, give this charge, be black and white about it, don't be mushy. There's no, there's no, when you blur the lines, that, to me, allow people to form their own opinion. I'll give you the final word on this, set. Well, Jay, you know what? Trump brought Barr in because that was going to be his boy. That was going to be the one that he could manipulate and tell him what to say. So I understand that Barr wants his job, and that's what he's doing. He's playing Trump. But I disagree with you, Jay, that in the middle of the day, people are not listening. Number one, you. You at work, and you're looking at MSNBC at work. But but, what day aren't you looking at TV at work? Go ahead. Do you know how many There's not a lot of people, Vanessa. I'm probably one of the only few. No, My point Jay, is it's not reaching not. the audience like it should. Okay, all right. All right. Jay, people got the okay. app downloaded on their phone, and even when I'm okay. not at t- by TV or anything, I have my earpiece in, and I'm listening to whatever station I want to listen to with what's going on, especially when I'm camping. So I disagree with that. I do agree with you when you say it's just not going to change the people that's for him. It's just not because he's playing to them. He's telling them, and what's so crazy is these are the people that's on food stamps that didn't get no income tax check back because he changed everything. These are the people that just are following him only because he's a racist. That's the only reason. Because some of these people are not doing any better. Financially, Trump can't say, I made your retirement plan better because I lost $40,000. So I don't know how he can say that. I don't know how my classmates can, know, can say that. Because if you look at it, I ain't got it back yet. I'm just in my 401k Thursday. I ain't got that 40000 back yet. So, Trump, you owe me $40,000. But I'm just saying, if the people that are walking the line, if they can hear anything out of this Mueller report, they don't want to read it. They don't want to hear it from their friends. They want CNN, MSNBC, showing on be Fox like what you said. I agree. But they want to hear somebody say, Mueller said he did, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, Jay, Les, or Johnny B, what it's going to take, what kryptonite, what kryptonite it's going to take to get rid of Trump. Because nothing sticks to him. It doesn't matter what comes out, what happens, who he cuts out, who he tells get out and go back to Africa. It doesn't matter. It just bounces up of him. It, and I just wonder. I think the only kryptonite we're going to have is prayer. I'm going to end it with that. All right. Can't beat it with that. You mentioned some beautiful segue into this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know, something that we're going to talk about the next set. Uh, center back uh, this past week during during the uh, Trump rally, uh, the crowd broke out in that chant. The president embraced it, saying that he didn't say he spoke immediately when the tape showed that he took him 13 seconds to respond, and he waited until the crowd 
until the chant died down, which, you know, this guy lies when you look at him. So anyway, we're going to take a look at it this week. Uh, we're going to talk about that in this week's edition of Informed Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back on the other side. The smartest man in the world is checked in. We'll hear from him next as well. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ross show on a beautiful Sunday morning. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. When President Trump tweeted that a group of progressive congresswomen should go back where they came from, it reverberated through many Americans with minority or immigrant backgrounds. We've heard in the last few days from people who have been taunted that way. Here's NPR's Tom Jelton with their stories. It can happen to people who speak English imperfectly or with an accent, but it can also be their skin color that sets them apart, or their dress, or their last names, anything that suggests otherness. Abrar Omish remembers an incident with a boy in her 8th grade civics class in Fairfax, Virginia. He just, you know, turned around and asked me, well, where are you from? And, you know, I, I explained that, you know, I was born and raised here, my dad grew up here. And he's like, no, 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 where are you from? And then I, you know, I said, well, my family came from Libya. He's like, well, why don't you go back there? Why are you here? In the case of Anjali Apadaya in Midlothian, Virginia, there was a visit to the local grocery store with her mom when she was about 15. We had accidentally parked in a parents and children parking spot, but we didn't know it at the time. And it made a man very angry to the point where he followed us into the store, calling us racial slurs and telling us to go back to our country. This had never happened to me before. I was scared. Anjali's parents had immigrated to the United States from India, but she was born here. For a second, you know, it made me feel like, do I belong here? It kind of threw a little bit of turmoil in how I saw myself of an American citizen. Many of these go-back-home flights, the ones that linger at least, came during adolescent years. As Dinat Rahman, it was a bus ride when she was in high school in Morton Grove, Illinois. And when I got on the bus, I was able to sit towards the back of the bus. But as we got closer to school, there was a stop where five or six Indian boys would get picked up. And by that time, there were no seats open to them, and so they would all stand in the middle of the aisle. And this is every day would start the same thing, which the white football players at the back of the bus would start hurling insults and saying, Gandhi, Hindu, and go back to where you came from. As with others who've been targeted with such taunts, this one challenged her idea of who she was. Even as a young person then, those insults didn't make sense to me, given that I was Muslim, I wasn't Hindu, and that Gandhi is a revered faith leader. Yet I remember all these years later the feeling that I felt when they would say those things, and that was a feeling of shame. My identity was something to be ashamed of, and it was something that would never fit in. What these three women have in common is their minority background, an Arab-American woman and two women of South Asian ancestry. Ted Kanazowicz from Camarillo, California, is also the child of an immigrant, but his dad was born in Poland. And when he hears stories of people who've been told to go back somewhere, he thinks how fortunate he was. We had the benefit of being white, and all we had is kind of our last name, which is a mouthful and difficult to pronounce. That's the only thing that's really saying, like, hey, you are foreign. We're just Polish, so you just get the Polish jokes and things like that. In the current environment, he's learned what it means to have white privilege. I am allowed to get in trouble, be a bad citizen. I'm allowed to do all of these things, and this is still my home. For the others, if these incidents have not left scars, they have left memories, and they recall how they learned to deal with them. 
Here's Anjali Apadaya, who had the encounter in a grocery store with her mom. Since we've been back to that grocery store many times since then, when we go, we'll make a joke about it now. Um, I talked to her last night on the phone, and we kind of joked about it a little bit. She laughed, I laughed. Just as a coping mechanism for these things that happen. But it doesn't take away the sting at the end of the day. For Abra Omish, the incident in her eighth grade civics class was just one of many. As a Muslim woman who wears a hijab, she has grown accustomed to hostile encounters. From an early age, she was always preparing for the next insult and how to respond. What's the smartest, most compassionate thing I can say to someone who says, go back to your country? How do I respond to that? And so to this kid in particular, I said, well, why don't you go back to yours? We are a nation of immigrants, right? There was a, somewhere down the line a lineage of where he came from. And it, and it disarmed him. If we're to better our society, we have to think of ways that almost hack the hate or reframe the conversation. Omish is now running for a seat on her local school board and preparing for law school. Tom Jelton, NPR News. Representative Ilhan Omar. Of a really great state. I almost won first time in decades and decades, Minnesota. Omar has a history of launching vicious anti Semitic screeds. Back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's uh, thirty nine minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the JRL show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Uh, Sent her back. Those were the chants from Americans at a rally of the President of the United States. Let's say that again. Mer- Americans at a rally at a rally where the President of the United States spoke, and you had people yelling, send her back. Now, the President tried to walk back those comments this week with some of the remarks that he said, oh, I didn't mean it, or I don't, I don't, you know, I don't embrace it. But just this morning, he sent out tweets, once again, incendiary uh, tweets, uh, once again targeting uh, the freshman congressperson from Minnesota. And let me start this set off with you, uh, Johnny. Um, in your lifetime, did you think you would ever uh, experience anything where the President of the United States stands in front of a crowd of Americans yelling, send her back? And after listening to uh, the uh, informants, that's something that you need to know. After listening to that, uh, listening to that segment where people gave testimonies of when, you know, people, uh, Americans, young white folks came to them and said, hey, take your behind back to your country. Uh, when you first saw it, man, just give me a thought. What went through your mind when you first saw the whole clip and, you know, just that whole clip, man? Well, one, I would like to say that uh, all North Carolinians don't think like that. That's... Um, that's 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 God. That's right, it happened your, in your home state. Way. Absolutely, wow. Yeah, that's sure right. did it definitely, that. and and really, uh, you know, in, in in an area where uh, you've got one of the upstanding universities, um, 
posted it on their campus, uh, East Carolina University. Now, of course, they have tried to disassociate themselves with the rally in and of itself. And I guess if if someone who uh, is holds the highest seat in the land asks to come to your campus, then you'll do so willingly. And I'm pretty sure that they were just as shocked. But, you know, again, I, I, I also come from a state where um, there was a reign of terror um, for several years in, in, the, in the name of a guy by the name of Jesse Helms, who was a senator, who would oftentimes be blatantly uh, disrespectful and insulting. So my relationship with Southern politics is, prepares me for that. So, you know, do I think uh, that I would have ever thought in my lifetime that that would have occurred? You know, when you read back on the history of the American presidents, uh, they too were inflammatory and racist as well. So I was not as, as surprised and certainly not with this um, this gentleman here, you know, so nearly 8,000 plus people from uh, what I understand. And I, and I, I, I stomach it because I really wanted to see it if there was anyone that I would know in the crowd, to be honest, uh, so I could call him out at some point. But, um, you know, just, just the, the, the overall atmosphere that was created, I'm not surprised, and I don't think really anyone is surprised that when you get a mob of people, whether it be white, black, Hispanic, then you are, you can certainly be the target of, of, of racial thoughts and taunts and things like that. It's something that I've had to deal with, uh, unfortunately, a large portion of my life, and I'm pretty sure in the back corners people whisper about me now, you know, uh, simply because uh, God has prepared me and, and blessed me to have some, some degree of a profile where, you know, I, I have a, a, a little influence over certain things that, that occur uh, within the local community, and I, so I'm pretty sure that behind the scenes I, I get those type of remarks and things of that nature right there. But as far as the presidency uh, and the office of the presidency, it, it has, for the most part, been an office of shame and, and discrimination and the, the discriminatory practices. So that office holds no esteem for me and has lessened, uh, you know, certainly President Obama, in my opinion, uh, did a lot for me personally. One, because he was. Uh, a, a, a black man living in America who rose to, to that level, but then also I think that the dignity in which he upheld that office. Uh, so, like I say, Southern politics um, has prepared me uh, for that type of uh, discrimination and, and those type of insults and inflammatory remarks. Well, it's just something. All right, I mentioned before the uh, at the end of the at the end of the first second that the uh, smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, has made his way into the studio. He is here. Let's say good morning to that man. What's going on, Jerome? How you doing, brother? He's here. I promise. Uh, he's here. <laughs> so when Jerome gets his audio squared away, we'll hear from Jerome. Let me. In the meantime, let me swing around to you, Mr. Elias. Uh, <clears throat> Same thing. When, when you, it was almost as if you were watching a Klan rally, man. When, when you saw this guy stand in front of these people, I mean, majority of them white, just yelling, "Send her back!" And I looked through the crowd to see if I noticed some African Americans, and I saw some sprinkled through there. As an African American, how can you just stand by and watch this without being just, just, I mean, just be filled with anger? The fact that this guy is leading these chants, and that you are in the middle of this, I mean, your thoughts, man. I'm shocked at this. I really am. 
Why can't you sit there as an African American? Your thoughts, Mr. Elias? Oh, Mr. Elias is here too, I promise you. I don't. Okay. All right, Vanessa, are you there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Okay. What did when you saw this? Uh, what were your thoughts? Wow, both their mics are open, but neither one of them are saying anything. All right, what did you think when you saw this? And just before you answer, just FYI, we are having some technical difficulties, folks. So that's one of the reasons why the show was a few minutes late going on the air. So there may be some issues with their audio. So bear with us. You know, it's live radio and it happens. So go ahead, Vanessa. The first thing I did, not said, but the first thing I did was text you and say, wow, this is going to be an interesting topic because he is insane. It's insane, and he's getting away with it. You know, somebody said to me that they need the Trump party needs to pay for Omar, a, a, a security guard, a private guard, because he has it now. Where somebody just got arrested for saying that they were going to kill her, they were going to stab her or something. I'm like, oh my god. Something got it so people are out to murder her, to get rid of her. I just feel so sorry for her, but I pray for him because karma is going to hit him some kind of way or hit his family. There is no way, Jay, that he's going to be able to get away with saying more or less, you people. You know, when I was growing up, I never got called or said to me, and I'm 57, nobody ever said to me, go back to Africa. I didn't get that. But I did when I was going to see my mom and my oldest brother get mad when they would say, you people. So my mom literally, when I was a little girl, left groceries and stuff on the counter when that lady said something about you people. And she was like, they call me Katie. Go to the car, Katie. We're getting out of here. I don't know. I don't remember. I was a little girl. But whatever it was to her saying, you people was like saying, go back to Africa. So I don't know. I, I got, I've got to call nigger on the job I, I work. I, you know, don't serve me. I want one of the white ones to serve me. I mean, I've gotten that, but I've never gotten to go back to Africa. Because if they tell me to go back to Africa, I'd be like, I ain't never been to Africa. Are you going to give me a plane ticket? I would love to see it. So for him, for him to tell people, about Omar, that she needs to go back. You know what really, really teased me off? He needs to start with his family. His wife just became a citizen. Thank you. All of those ladies up there have been a citizen longer than his wife. His in-laws just became a citizen right before he became president of the United States. So if you want to start sending people back, sweetheart, let's start with your in-laws. Let's start at your house. But he ain't bringing that up. He's not bringing that well, up. Of course not, because that's uh, you know that's that's not beneficial to him. All right, look, looks like we uh, have the audio audio fix for uh, Mr. Jerome. He is in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Just trying to figure out a way to stay alive and Jerome. Jerome. Hey, what's up, Elliot? All right, Jerome, uh, floor is yours, man. Uh, when we talk about, you know, we're talking about this whole thing, center back, you know, he's trying to walk these comments back, you know, the squad per se, 
you know, they made they they had a, they made a response to, or they had a, a, a press conference to rebuke what he said. Uh, what I'm hearing is is that uh, the reason why Trump jumped on this is because he was trying to uh, uh, play on the fact that there is somewhat of a uh, divided Democratic Party between Nancy Pelosi and these young freshman Congress people. Your thoughts on this whole thing, man? Okay, um, where to begin with that? It's okay. So that's just a, I guess it would be a strategy if he was smart. What they're doing is they're just planning, standing the flames of being racist. They're being who they are. So it's not a big secret, um, especially to black people. It shouldn't be. I think white folks, every time people do stuff like this, they're saying, okay, now that was racist. And then after a while, they'll make, make an excuse and say stuff like, well, I think it was interpreted as that, or he didn't know. Because once he tries to, to clarify and say, well, I'm against their policies, not against them as black women, then there's a, um, then they feel like a relief, like, oh, okay, now that's cool then, because it was against their policies. It don't matter what their policies were, he only attacked them um, specifically because of who they were or who they are. So I know that they're, um, you know, on national TV making these false equivalences to um, – to um, what is her name, Nancy Pelosi, because she was being racist, right? And they're like, see, they're just calling everybody racist, and that's not the point. The point is, all of them pretty much have issues with those women for different reasons. But white folks across the board are not paying attention to the fact that we know who they are. Nancy Nancy Pelosi may appear to be liberal because she's in Cali. But the problem is, is that that doesn't mean she doesn't have a bias. So she tried to shame them. That's why everybody keeps saying, oh, you know, the squad, because that's what they call themselves. And they're trying to make them an alienated group for white folks across the board. So although the Democrats don't like blatant racism, they still kind of practice in it a little bit, where they're like, nope, the mainstream white folks ain't going to like this. So when they say the mainstream or the people in rural areas, they're still talking about white folks. So we sit, we sit here and sugarcoat it like Nancy Pelosi wasn't talking about white folks when she was like, that's not the base of the Democratic Party. That's not where the mi- the middle of the party is. Even when Biden says that, it kind of it, it gives me a little tinge for just to hear that because we're the, what they're saying in a coded way is that middle America is who the Democratic Party is. Instead of talking about, here's where middle America white people are. (laughs) Because you can't take the Democratic Party and say, hey, you know, 40% of them are black and a little bit more as a people of color generally. But we don't have to listen to them. We just need to get the 20% of white folks on the Democratic side and 90% of the Republican white folks, and we're good. That's everybody's political calculation in this country. I, I deal with this on local elections. I deal with that in statewide elections because everybody plays that odds, right? They don't play to say, this place is diverse. We need to go look at what all these communities are. We need to see what they're looking at and try to market to them. They don't do that. They still don't do that. So when somebody says, oh, you know, it's 2000 or whatever, I can't believe that they're not like that, I'd say you've been sweet. Because there's nothing changed. 
they, they, you're not highlighting anything. White folks have been like this. So for us to actually have a conversation on Trump setting the world back um, is crazy because Trump is just magnifying what they all were, how they think anyway. You know, we have to deal with this. Yeah, so you're correct about that. Hate it. Three, four. But see, here's the thing, Johnny, and this is the thing that always bothers me. Everybody wants the, the Democrats to be the more the more the more bearer of morale and things of that nature. When they listen, the bottom line is not one Republican really came out and said anything. I mean, Republicans went out of their way to support what this man said. And what about Lindsey Graham? What the hell happened to this guy? Listen, I want to illustrate for all you folks. You know, I heard from some people this week talking about they wanted to talk, you know, call it into the show, and they wanted me to read some of their comments. I'm not reading that crap on the air. But what I will do is, what I'm going to do is illustrate to you, because someone brought up Lindsey Graham. You know, if Lindsey Graham is supporting the president, then, you know, he was John McCain's closest friend. You know what? Get out of here with this nonsense. Here's a sample of Lindsey Graham before Trump and after Trump. We'll talk on the other side. So they say a leopard can't change its stripes. Wait, it's spots, isn't it? But when it comes to Senator Lindsey Graham, his have gone from red to orange to fuchsia. Let me explain. Before he became one of Donald Trump's golf buddies and close political sidekick, Graham was Trump's number one critic. Remember the last presidential campaign? Here's how Graham felt about Trump and his policies then. He's a jacket. Race baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. And you know how you make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. Well, I'd say that was a known Trump, wouldn't you? But these days, Graham is singing a very different tune on Trump's push to keep packing migrants seeking asylum into those overcrowded, dangerous, foul-smelling detention centers just a few days ago. I don't care if they have to stay in these facilities for 400 days. We're not going to let those men go that I saw. And on Trump's racist tweets about four black and brown congresswomen, including Massachusetts' Ayanna Presley. We all know that AOC and this crowd are a bunch of communists. They hate Israel. They hate our own country. They're anti-Semitic. They're anti-America. Not to mention Graham's post-Democratic debate tweet, quote, that whole Trump third term thing is looking better and better. I think he's got to win the second term first, Senator. Some critics say the newfound alliance between Trump and Graham was the result of the senator's search for a new best friend after the death of John McCain, who Trump has relentlessly and disgracefully trashed. Regardless, Megan McCain knows one thing's for sure. Whatever is happening to Lindsay, this is not the person I used to know. No, I'd say he's more the person Graham once described. A race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. Yeah, but which Graham will voters in South Carolina say he is come November of 2020? I guess we'll find out. So, Johnny, I, I say to you, when you listen to this before and after of Lindsey Graham, it, this, what kills me is that Republicans, people who are supporting the president, they can't see through this. They can't see what Lindsey Graham and all these Republicans are all about. It's all about politics, man. It's all about politics. Lindsey Graham, when he wasn't supporting Donald Trump, was in the low 40s. Now that he's pretty much kissing the president's ass, 
his ratings are up to like 70%. So this guy is doing, all he's doing is positioning himself to be reelected. What say you, man? This is just, just ridiculous. Yes, yeah, simply simple politics, and, and, and you described it uh, well, Jay. And and again, uh, these guys will, and well, these politicians will do whatever it, it, they need to do in order and say whatever they need to say in order to stay in office. You know, Lindsey Graham is from a state that is pretty distinctively divided. Uh, in South Carolina, they, it, you know, down towards the the southern part of the state, they call that the Low Country, and that's where you got a large portion of your rural areas with uh, which constitutes a lot of uh, immigrants and, and, and blacks who live in America then you've got what they call the high country which is where you've got a lot of Caucasians so that's where the money is so Lindsey Graham understands that the state is, is already imbalanced so he's probably as, as Teflon as, as Mitch McConnell would be so they would, they would have to run a pretty strong candidate at, at Lindsey Graham in order to even shake him up. Um, he does what all the rest of them do, which is unfortunate. Uh, he just simply goes after his best interest. What will be interesting, and of course, uh, I, I, I haven't dug into this, and I know somebody will at some point. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see what type of uh, business opportunities that's presented itself, because for a person to change himself to this degree here, means that he's got some financial interest somewhere tied to Donald Trump because as far as his Senate seat, he is pretty safe. He's probably, again, one of the safest of all the senators. So I don't think it has anything to do with his political prowess or his political career. I think it's financial. So at some point, uh, he will probably be exposed for some markets that he's tried to invest with Donald Trump. But to set back and, and just change your views the way that he has is so extreme and so radical to where it's it's, it's almost saddened, you know, uh, it's a saddened state of affairs when you go from calling a man a bigot to now all of a sudden you are his greatest pundit. And politics, uh, I've never seen them that extreme in what Lindsey Graham is indicating. I know this time last year, I was saying, okay, if you got one that will challenge Lindsey Graham to the John McCain and Lindsey Graham now, to hear this guy, it, it is just a reversal of fortune right there to the to the highest degree. I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing that you say that. You know, Miss Sally, I'll go to you, man. Um, watching all this stuff play, I'm watching a clip now of Kellyanne Conway when she asked the reporter, you know, what's your, you know, where are you from? You know, what's your, what's your uh, ethnicity? I mean, this stuff is playing out in front of the whole world. You have foreign leaders from, you know, Andrew, Angela Merkel said, you know, this is crazy. This is nuts. You have the Canadian Prime Minister making statements about, you know, the comments that this president has made about the four Congress people. It's like other people are filling that vacuum, man, of where, where America is. It's like America is like went berserk. And when you talk to these people that support Trump, and here's my question for you, man. And I, I mean this with all sincerity, because up until recently, I was a guy that says, hey, you know what, if you voted for Trump, uh, you know, hey, listen, maybe you voted for this person for financial reasons, for whatever the case may be. But now I'm really starting to question, should you even remain in contact with people who support this man? Should you just cut them off? Well, I work with people that have 
supported Trump and still support Trump. So I got to answer some of their questions because I'm their union steward. But on a personal level, hell no. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't talk to them on a personal level. You ask me a question, you need a question answered, I'll answer it because that's my job. But the bottom line is, if you still support Trump, you're right. I, I, I was mentioning you one was talking off air, and, and I was talking to a lady in my office, and she told me as a kid growing up that her parents told her that if she dated a black man, that they would disown her. I said, well, your parents are racist as hell. They're very racist. And she says, no, no, no. She made all kinds of excuses up. And that's what people are doing for Trump. They're making excuses up for his, for his, race, his race, racist rhetoric. So the bottom line is, white folks are not going to admit that they're racist. They're not going to say they're racist. Because why? They put the black eye on them. But they, you are who you are. Be proud of what you do. You know, that's why I can, I can deal with a southern white more than I can do it with, 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 with a northern white. Because the, the southern whites let you know who they are. I can I, I can deal with somebody who let me know who they are, but somebody that sneaks around and be like, ah, I'm not that way. Yes, you are. If you support this stuff, yes, you are. That's why when I call them people out in the chat room like Easy and Vocal Bright, they're racist because they support this stuff. They support it. And so, so, hey, bottom line, that's that's how I feel. And if you if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm sorry. That's just that. I, I'm not even sorry. If you don't like what I'm saying? There it is. There it is. This, this guy's racist. He's very racist. He, and, and now that's been proven with, with the Charlottesville and everything else that comes along with it. So don't stop making excuses. Call it what it is. Be who you are. Stop running from it. Stop. Vanessa, what about you? I mean, do we do we just do we say you know adios to these people? I mean, do you just say you look if you support this man? I can't talk to you. I, I mean, even if you voted for President Obama, uh, you know, you know, in twenty, in two, two thousand eight, in two thousand twelve, at some point in time, even let's say if you voted for the guy and said, okay, we voted for him, uh, you know, but we're not gonna vote for him again. I voted because, you know, bottom line is I needed him financially, but look, I can't even deal with this. Okay, you're forgiven. But if you're continuing to support this guy and using the excuse that I voted for for Trump for financial reasons, is it time to cut him off? Is it time to say adios, amigos? I'm done. You know what, Jay? No, I'm not going to cut him off. I'm, I'm going to no. do because no, no, listen. I'm not going to cut them off. I'm just going to do what my mama told me to do years ago. You don't have What's to that? cut people off. Just put them on a long handle far away from you so you can sit back and, and really know who they are. I think that once, see, some people, Jay, are voting for him because of how he's making their daddy or their cousin's businesses boom and grow and the projection of what they thought their 401k and stuff was going to be. But they are predicting a recession on next year. They're predicting one. And so some of my friends to me, they're not my friends, but associates, they're just ignorant to the fact that this is racism. So, Jay, I'm not going to cut them off because I still have to deal with some of them on different levels in my life. But believe me, honey, if they voted for Trump, they're going to be on a long handle food with me. And that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to be like, I mean, they really are. I'm not going to cut them off, but I know who they are now. I know who they yeah. truly are. But people got different reasons for voting for him, and I don't. I think 
and money over morals is stupid. Yep, absolutely. All right, listen, uh, coming up next, we're going to make the announcement as far as our uh, anniversary shows for the month of August. Plus, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Eric Garner, and I want to give that it is the best Sunday morning online radio show, period. Hi, I'm Jay, the host of the serious side of the TGRS, and I'm asking you to come join me and my friends for some serious conversation before you go to church. It's the serious side of the TGRS. Happens every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the BTR Radio Network.
six-year-old Ella is traumatized. As she played outside her home, a bomb exploded. Since then, she has not spoken. Surely, one little girl terrified this way is one too many. Tomorrow may be too late to protect innocent children caught up in famine, conflict, and disaster. Please, will you do just one thing today to help vulnerable refugee children? UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, helps protect them. Children need us today, and we need your support today. Please give online at canadaforrefugees.ca to give $21 a month, just 70 cents a day, and help people who have lost everything. Outrage here in New York City. A police officer will not face federal charges in the choking death of Eric Garner five years ago. A video of the incident shows Garner saying, I can't breathe at least 11 times before falling unconscious. He later died. Tonight, his family says the Justice Department failed them. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. You're listening to the Serious Hours of J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. And of course, if you listen to the show, you know what time it is. Come say good morning to our panelists and people who are listening via phone, social media, or wherever. We can see you. We'll call you out. Let's say good morning to my big sis, Vanessa Maybelli from the Macanelli. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning, Jay. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you as well. My little brother's in the house, the educated rapper himself. He's not a rapper, but I'm just going to call him educated brother. The one and only Mr. Johnny D. Unless you are a rapper, but I think you left that back in mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn. Hey, but now I... I I still have a 12 inch out there, definitely. But uh, yeah, those, those days are behind me. <laughs> those days are, are, are behind me. So good morning to everyone, definitely. Oh, my goodness. So, the, to the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree is in the house. Can't wait to hear what he has for us for uh, on a need to know basis, which is coming up here in about, yeah, about 30 minutes. So, what's up, Jerome? How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. And for Johnny, I want to tell you, them days are never behind you. <laughs> they are never. <laughs> when you have it in you, you have it in you. <laughs> <laughs> Press it all we want Jerome, Jerome, back in that day, I used to get someone to write my lyrics. Isn't that right, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. Oh, oh man. man. The man who really runs right. everything around. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I said, there's still ghostwriters out there. You got it. You still got it. <laughs> what you can deliver, you can deliver. <laughs> it's like riding the bike. Once a rapper, always a rapper, huh? All right, the man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the man who really runs everything around here, the boss, Mr. L.E.S. What's up, man? How you doing? I promise he's here. He's here. Probably take care of some business. All right, listen. What's up to people in the chat room? Because I can't see the chat room. What's up if you're in the well, chat room? Convena man is usually in the other oh, yeah, yes. How you doing? Yeah, well, we got. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We got Easy in there. We got Convena. And we also, well, there's something going on with the chat room. People can't hear the, uh, can't hear the show. Oh, so yeah. I don't know what's oh. going on. Yeah, they can't hear it. So, yeah. And Momo B was in there with us, but she's not in there with us anymore. 
But she's on the line with us. Mo- good morning, Momo. Oh, Momo's in the land. Look, Momo's in the house. We have an announcement coming up, too, about the J. Rouse show and the anniversary show that's coming up. Also, want to say what's up to the pastors in the house. What's going on? Malik is in the place. He was having the Malik Perry. Perry, I don't recognize that name. Uh, what's up? How you doing? Glad you're in the house. Calvin, Calvin, what's up? Frank, what's up? Oh, man, Joanne, what's going on? Lalisa? Did I say that correctly? What's up, Lalisa? Checking in from Connecticut. Wow, I can't remember if we ever announced Connecticut on the show. What's up to you? Also, what's up to Brenda Mary? Pretty Ricky, that's what they call me. I'm not sure if you're the same Pretty Ricky that used to the J. Rowell show. But uh, speaking of the J. Rowell show, we have some announcements coming up. First, let's bring in our uh, director of social media, the one and only Jackie, in the place to be. Good morning, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's everybody doing? Good morning, Jackie. All right, Jackie. Talk to us. Tell us how people can stay in contact with us, even when we're not live, live, all the way live, and even have to walk, and even have to drive. Well, if you need um, info about the TJRS Radio Network, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all pages have the same ending handle. Facebook.com slash groups, Twitter.com, Instagram.com slash TJRS Radio. And if you need to email us about anything, you can email us at the serious side at Outlook.com. Once again, that's the serious side at Outlook.com. Keep up with us. Speaking of keep up, keeping up with us, everyone knows next month is the 10-year anniversary of the TJRS Radio Network. Can't believe it's been 10 long years, a decade of hearing us bump our gums. Uh, it's been a fun 10 years, and we can't wait to celebrate. So now, here it is. We're going to have two shows in August, right, to commemorate this situation. We're going to have a Wednesday show, which will be on the 14th of August, 7.30 p.m. Central, the J. Ross Show, the Wednesday edition, including the listening lounge, will be in the house. You can hear from somebody. Oh, my God, I can't wait to hear Momo P on the air again. Ernest, oh, my God, Miss T, the group, will, the clan will be back in the house on that day. And then on that Saturday, just to kind of make it like old times, saying we're going to roll into the Saturday, 7.30, I'm sorry, at 5 o'clock. Central since time on the 17th of August. So there you go. That's the week we'll celebrate the show. And of course, we will definitely do something that following Sunday on the serious side. But it's been a fun ride. I can't wait to revisit people, be able to talk to folks, be able to get back on the air and do what we do. But really led this network to where it is today. It's going to be fun. So there it is. Anniversary shows, the 14th and the 17th of August. Speaking of a schedule, now next week, I will be in D.C. hanging with the smartest man, or I should say the educated brother himself, Mr. Uh, Johnny D. We'll be in D.C. celebrating an anniversary with our own unit, so you will be in the capable hands of the real boss, Mr. L to the E to the S. We're going to be listening, Mr. L.S. Did you say anything bad about me, brother? I'm going to call you. It'll just be me, Jerome, and uh, Vanessa there. Absolutely. You guys, you know, yeah, everybody listens right that way here. anyway. 
It's okay. okay. I'll do it anyway. We don't really mean anything to you guys. I mean, you know, come on. So it'll be you. You'll be at home. Well, at least you tell the truth about it. Alright, so listen, we'll be in D.C. Uh, next week, uh, definitely tuning in though Because, you know, this is a show that uh, Brings the knowledge, this is a show That I think everybody should listen to And I remember a couple of weeks ago Someone wrote uh, something to us Saying that this show really needs to be out there And they talked about how We just, you know, we talk to the community The things that we do And so we're proud to continue to be that voice Continue to be that voice that you need to hear On Sunday mornings right here on the TGRS Radio Network that being said, it's a segue into just a, a just a disappointing uh, uh, result that happened this past week. The NYC police officer who put the illegal chokehold on Eric Garner, and he died from the result of this. He said, I can't breathe 11 times. This officer will not be charged. And so now, Bill de Blasio is starting to face a lot of heat as far as being the mayor of New York, also being a presidential candidate, and he's saying, listen, uh, it's going to be up to the police commissioner, and the police commissioner will make that decision within the next few weeks. We'll start with you, Jerome, because you're closer to that hot spot. How's everything playing out with this thing, man, in that area? I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, here's another African-American that was killed. He was selling illegal cigarettes. Let's put this in perspective for a second, according to them. He was selling illegal cigarettes, and he's dead. But the guy who went in, the young man who went in and shot up all those kids in Florida, he was taken into custody with no problem. Matter of fact, they took the kid to go get some something from McDonald's before they took him down to the police station. But yet, still, the man who's selling <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> this is why I love Vanessa. After was. <laughs> yeah, but, that sounds funny. They yeah, Look, not, yeah, it sounds funny, but we, it's, we it's, have, it's really we sad. Have to, we have to laugh at the ridiculous, though. It's sad that that man, that, that he died and was killed by them. But you know what's not sad? It's us actually making, like, a um, um, feel like that there's something to compare ever to somebody dying. I had, a, I had this conversation with someone recently about this, and, and they made some false equivalent, uh, false comparison. And they said, you know, kind of how the the whole saying goes that white folks feel oppressed. And I said it's very different being oppressed, saying that you can't say the N-word, and somebody losing their life. That's ridiculous. Right? We do stuff like that in this country. It's like, yeah, you know what? We feel oppressed, and we have to take their feelings and consult. Black people are dying. You can't come back from that. The justice system is not like, oh, yeah, we let some guy off from from raping some girl and putting it on social media, but we don't want to ruin his life. But the guy who died, we need to get over it. That's why, Vanessa, you should always laugh at these stories, because that's just damn ridiculous that we even have to contemplate it. We should not philosophically have conversations about shit that has to do with white folks being off the rails. Right? I don't care how that sounds, but we need to own it. This is They're off the rails. When it comes to this stuff. So for in New York, and I'm glad that we're kind of taking a different approach. You don't see people, you know, there's a couple of protests, rally stuff, but not much. We need to adjust our thinking to them. 
right? That is much harder to detect. It was kind of like Occupy Wall Street to me. They were like, they're making no demands, so what are they doing? What they're doing is they're showing you that there's some people who have some discontent. And black folks need to be reminded of the inequities that happen. It's like talking about the, like the first segment with, um, you know, Presley, um, Cortez, um, I can't remember the other four, Talib, and who's the third one? Omar. Omar. It is like yeah. about the four of them. What, what we keep doing is we keep isolating them. Who gives a damn that they think different than you do? Right? So when white folks think different than other white folks, they don't go, oh, they're outliers, those four. They don't signal them out. You ain't never see them highlight the Tea Party like that. Hell, the Tea Party had forums and stuff. They was hosting presidential debates. These four say something different, and everybody's losing their mind like, well, they're extreme. We have to stop doing that. I don't, I don't care what they do. We can't address the conversations the same way they do because they're painting a picture, right? This dude got let off from killing someone who was not a threat to them. So we can go through all the names of black people who got killed that were not a threat, but we can't talk about it Jerome. like... Jerome! What? But Jerome, they let the little white boy off because he might get scouted, too. And good grades, he might get what? he raped that girl... And then sent text messages that his first sexual encounter was rape. I cannot right, get no, past that. No, I know. I know. I I think I, you know, I think we I think we talked about it. But I'm not sure. But the issue is, is that when he posted it and said, "When your first, when you lose your virginity to rape," that's how funny that he thought that was. Right? I am saying that's ridiculous. That even in comparison. To how the justice system handles us, you cannot be more extreme than that. We're we're losing our lives. That is way too serious. So either a we laugh at this bull because it's ridiculous for us to contemplate it, or we call them out every time they do something crazy. Right? I stopped doing bestiality stories because they're just too disgusting for culturally. We don't like to even hear that mess. But it is going on in somebody else's community, and we don't even talk about it. And that's why our brains are programmed like they are. You could demonize black folks, but you think that they are the top of, of, of some kind of moral standard? Trump is not breaking the norms. He's showing you what their norms are in public. And we that's sit here right. and debate like, like somehow we need to have a reasonable discussion about diversity with them folks who... I'm not even trying to hear you. So when I say things like, oh, you know what? White folks have the negative birth rate in 27 states. That's not racist. That is feeding into the, their fear of a black planet. If you want to go to a public enemy CD to reference that, go back. Or, or Dr. Francis Chris Welsing. Having a fear of black people is coming from someplace else that we are not seeing coming because our humanity is not lost. So if you want to see something really good about this, there's a social media post, I think it's on YouTube, with this woman in South Africa, white female, and she lays it out. Yes. She said, yes. I know what my privilege mm-hmm. is. Right? I know what my privilege is. We have to own it as white folks. Black people discussing what white folks should or should not do is, a, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. I can, I, I can care less. Because we are not affecting 
how they see the world. They need to affect how they see the world. Only thing we can do is adjust and stop paying them fools any attention, stop giving them our money, stop giving them power. Cause, and that's one of the things that she said. She said, she said that black people's humanity is better than ours because they forgive us even to have a dialogue. And our resistance to even have a dialogue shows that we are unwilling to accept our own responsibility. We're causing this, and we refuse to talk about it. They're the victims of it, and they want to talk about it. Like, how maddening is that? It's, uh, it is. I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct, man. Uh, good stuff. Um, let me go to you, Hawk. Your thoughts? Shameless, uh, to say the least. Um, again, if if the federal government is not going to prosecute, then it, it is up to and incumbent upon the agency to use internal discipline. And the fact that this Pinelli guy is still a, a law enforcement officer is, is shameful, and it, and it should not be left up to the commissioner. So if that's what um, the uh, mayor, the current mayor, is, is suggesting, then he's totally wrong. And What's surprising is the fact that uh, it's been five years. Um, certainly for the family, I can imagine that it probably feels longer than that, but it just goes to show how quickly time passes. And, you know, we've, we've been so uh, – it's been so prevalent in regards to, you know, unarmed black males uh, being killed by, by law enforcement um, since that time. You know, this kind of – was one of the ones that spearheaded this one, and, and you know, of course, that 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 uh, that vigil anti uh, Trayvon Martin. All of these was somewhat back to back, but uh, just to think that it's been five years and the guy is still a police officer is sad. It really is. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Elias, um, the fact that this guy is still on the desk, the fact that he's still being paid. You know, even if they fire the guy, Mr. Elias, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, so in other words, he's being, so if they fire the guy, basically he's being fired for, you know, um, disciplinary reasons because he didn't do his job correctly. You know, and in most cases, I mean, I think that's acceptable, but in this case, you know, someone died. And so I, I can't see how this guy can just walk away. If we want him fired, man, we want this guy in jail. Because that was murder. It was murder. And they can sit here and try to spin this any way they want. It was murder. He used an illegal chokehold. I heard somebody say this past week that basically the, the, the takedown wasn't illegal and, you know, whatever. But the bottom line is it escalated out of control. They could have handled it differently. People are blaming Eric Garner, saying he should have just been, he should have just, uh, you know, just complied with the officer's request. Listen, he's human. If you've been, you can tell by the video, apparently they harass him every day doing this types of stuff. Come on, man. That, that did not have to get to that point. And when he said he couldn't breathe, it should have stopped at that point, man. Let's say you. Well, what I'm saying is, Jay, it's disgusting, it's despicable, but... Am I surprised that he didn't get charged? No, that's what usually happens to police officers. Then they, then they, then they have been mad at Colin Kaepernick because he took a knee for police injustice. Look, man, white folks—they don't get it unless it's happening to them. Once it happens to them, then they'll change the narrative. 
Like I said, the bottom line is, if you want the gun laws to change, let every black man apply. I mean, every black man, every black person apply for a gun uh, for life. Let every black person apply for a gun, a gun permit. The gun laws will change instantly because the narrative will have changed. The bottom line is they don't get it unless it's, it's, it's in their back door, unless it happens to them. Now, if, now if that had been a black officer choking out a white uh, white guy, what do you think would happen to the black officer? Let's call it what it is. They would, they would, that black officer would be in jail. Uh, Vanessa, I'll give you the, Vanessa, I'll give you the last word on this segment. Wow. Well, you know what? I, I'm I'm surprised. No, I'm not surprised. I guess I am surprised in my lifetime to see. No, that's not even true because they were racist when I was growing up. But I have never seen a president in my lifetime, which has only been the Bushes, the Clintons, and Obama, to bring out such racism where people think that they can just say or do anything because Trump is in office and he says it's okay. I just think this is so crazy to bring the real racist. Will the real racist please stand up? Honey, they stand it. I mean, he is really bringing these people out. I am on Facebook. Uh, if I share something and people are attacking and I am laying their butts out. And sometimes I will type Jerome's name in so he can come in and step in and help me fight with these people. Les, I miss having you to help me because these people cannot sit here and think it is okay for Trump to say and do what he is doing at these rallies or in the office. It is not okay. I am not going to let think that people can put this stuff on my board. I'm not going to delete them. I want to fight with you because I want you to tell me why you think that Trump should be in office other than the fact that he's a KKK racist and y'all are backing him up. Because there is nothing that this man has done other than put a black general in office, female, that I have seen that he has done. Nothing. Nothing. I lost money in my 401k. I can't file a lot of stuff on my income tax because he changed it for the rich white people and the rich black people. Rich, period. So what has he done cutting meals on with? This man is crazy. And I just don't know, I'm going to say it again, what it is going to take to get this man out of office. Les, I do not want him in peace. I don't want him in peace. I do. I want this man not to listen. I want this man not to be voted back in, so he can go to jail. So he can go to jail. I want them to arrest well, him. Well, teach him to go to jail. I want him to go to jail for all for the new holder that came out to Woodworth, for all the other stuff that he has done using using campaign funds to pay for and hide. And I know New York is on his tail with some stuff. So I'm like, I want this man to lose this election because the people voted him out. And then I want them to handcuff him before they put him on an airplane and wave goodbye. That's what I want. You know what? And I don't think you can say it any better than that. 
Chatterbox and uh, on the needs and no basis is coming up after this break. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Rice University's Master of Computer Science program, available online for professionals to learn in-demand computer science skills. Classes start fall 2019 at rice.edu/npr. El Salvador, 17 former soldiers and military officials will be facing charges connected to a 1981 massacre of almost 1,000 civilians, including women and children. Maria Martin reports on the development for the period known as El Salvador's Dirty War. The gruesome episode known as the massacre at Hermosote took place in December of 1981, when an elite battalion of the Salvadoran army, trained by U.S. advisors, entered the village looking for guerrillas then engaged in a rebellion against the government. They didn't find them, but in the next two days, they proceeded to brutally kill and rape hundreds of villagers. For many years, El Salvador had an amnesty law, and until now, no one's been tried for this war crime, which the Salvadoran government and the Reagan administration called exaggerated at the time. Now, the 17 military, including high army officials, will be facing charges of torture, forced disappearances, and crimes against humanity. For NPR News, I'm Maria Martin. The Japanese public broadcaster NHK says Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's ruling coalition will keep its majority in the parliament's upper house. NHK citing exit polls today. Japanese voters went to the polls. Voters in Ukraine also cast ballots today in a parliamentary election in which television star turned President Volodymyr Zelensky seeking to consolidate power. To golf, the British Open will crown a champion today. Ireland's Shane Lowry is the leader. He had a four-stroke lead after three rounds and is to tee off later this hour with Lee Westwood as final pairing. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News from Washington. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sport Clips Haircuts. Now offering the instant replay, a double MVP at a single price. Sport Clips doubles the massaging shampoo and hot steam towel. And cool it down and try it on ice at Sport Clips through July. Back in. It's time for Chatterbox. Final thoughts from social media and our world famous chat room. It's Philly S. Man. You have anything from the chat room since people couldn't really hear the show from the chat room this morning? No, I don't, Jay. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry about that, folks. Once again, we apologize. And, uh, maybe if you go back and listen to the uh, rewind of the show, you know, sorry. Just, once again, we had issues this morning, so we apologize if you did not hear the broadcast. Um, all right, listen, I have some uh, comments from social media. Pastor Stephen Jones, Brother Jerome's response to Eric Goner, to the Eric Goner's response was profound and spot on. God bless the show and end this nation. Thank you, Pastor. Mackie from Brooklyn, New York. The way Jay described differences between how the police handled the arrest of Nicholas Cruz and the attempted arrest of Eric Garner was startling. Good show. Thank you. Mary Elizabeth, Boulder, Colorado. Black lives don't matter. Babies are in cages. Racism from the Oval Office. What the hell is going on in this country of ours? I've never seen anything like this in the 62 years that I have been on this earth. Lindsey Graham's comments calling AOC a communist. Communist is no different than J. Edgar Hoover calling MLK a communist. As a white woman, I am ashamed of what this country has become. Wow. Marietta Music, I pray for E.G.'s, okay, Eric Donna's family to find peace and comfort through the blessings of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless. Wow. That's, uh, that's deep, Marietta. Provoking thought that this show brought us today, and uh, we're glad to do that. Um, 
every now and then we run into these topics that, you know, you just have to ask yourself the question, how, why, and what type of nation have we become? And on that note, you know what time it is. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Alright folks, it's my it is my time. It is time for my favorite part of the show. On the need to know basis with Mr. Jerome Street. Jerome man, what do you have going on this morning, sir? Well, um, you know, climate change is fi- is causing uh, a new disaster each week as natural catastrophes catastrophes such as heat waves, drought, cyclones become more common. So the yep. U.S. is the U.N. is warning the so-called lower impact events are are occurring faster than um, um, they believe uh, with worldwide um, worldwide events going largely unnoticed. So the U.N. Office of Disaster Risk um, Reduction in Geneva, Switzerland, are saying that. We are having way too many events that's leading or, or that's the result of climate change, and we're still ignoring them. I guess so they're throwing up a red flag, and um, I don't know if anybody's listening. Now, um, if you watch the U.S. women's national team defeat the Netherlands uh, a couple weeks ago, I don't know if I, nobody really reported on this, but you know the soccer fans are rowdy and crazy generally. So they broke out into a yep. chant Trump doing their live broadcast on Fox. <laughs> they were at a bar in France, and they were just F Trump and doing the whole thing for Fox. <laughs> you guys saw that wow. wow. Hey, you can't mess with soccer fans. And some, some countries will protest. We just don't because we tend to get shot anytime we mass more than four black people any place, but or one, as that goes. But so we tend to not do them so much. They tear up in the other countries. So anyway, to their cheer, F. Trump, that was their stuff. Now, Microsoft detected 740 election-related cyber attacks targeting U.S. political parties and campaigns last year. So they said that the 740 infiltration attempts by um, nation-state actors um, in the past year targeting U.S. um, campaigns, parties, and other election-related groups. So they're tracking this stuff, and again, you have a, um, you know, a government that's acting like it's not a problem, but 740 Hmm. so far. Okay. All right. Yep. Now, um, you know, Michelle Obama, and I'm sorry, the first lady, Michelle Obama, and Bill Gates was named the most admired man and woman in the world, according to a new poll. So the former U.S. First Lady um, usurped um, Angelina Jolie to take the top spot in this um, list compiled by YouGov. Um, they both beat out several influential leaders and personalities, including President Obama, who came in second um, to Bill Gates and Michelle and um Second behind Michelle Obama, and this is a worldwide survey. Second behind Michelle was Oprah. Oprah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they even so the list featured um, 20 men and 20 men, 20 women who were selected after um, 42,000 people were polled in 41 countries. 
both President Obama and the First Lady Obama were number one in the UK's most admired. Just for that country, Obamas are number one. I mean, that's ahead of the Queen and all. They were number one most popular in the UK. And, you know, I, I, I say that to say that they're still popular here if people get their heads on straight and let them, you know, let them be who they were, who, who they are. They just believe that they should pay mm-hmm. to the woodwork. We sometimes need people to step up. I'm not saying that they have to. I just want to put that out there. All right. Now, New York State became the second state to ban discrimination based on natural hairstyles after Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill on Friday amending the state's human rights law. Now, the measure, which also uh, amends the Dignity for All Students Act, updates the definition of race used in existing laws, adding that um, traits historically associated with race, including but not limited to hair texture and protective hairstyles, um, they're off limits. You cannot discriminate against that. So Cuomo said, much of our nation's history, people of color, particularly women, have been marginalized and discriminated against simply because of their hairstyle or texture. Is what he was what the governor said. He said, by signing this bill into law, we are taking an important step towards correcting that history and ensuring people of color are protected from all forms of discrimination. The bill's provision went into effect immediately. Now, California's measure, which is known as the Crown Act, which is an acronym for Create a Respectful and Open Workplace for Natural Hair, the Crown Act, um, mm. that passed unanimously in California. But it takes effect on January 1st. But, again, New York State is effective immediately. That's how they used to pass wow. laws. When they're, when they're yeah. that egregious... Effective immediately, yes. Yeah. They shouldn't be like, y'all yeah. got a couple more days to discriminate. <laughs> like, you know, just take your time. But you better have your act together by January 1st. Right. Now, um, Palm Beach... Uh, Palm Beach um, deputies allowed Jeffrey Epstein to have supervised visits with young women doing his work release from prison. He received, the, or they received, the deputies did, $120,000 in donations from that pedophile, then lost the visitor's logs to his office, so they didn't know who was coming and going. So in Epstein's plea deal, not only... Um, helped him avoid federal charges. It also allowed him to see young girls at his office in Palm Beach with no law enforcement officials present. Mind you, he had unsupervised visits with underage girls when he was in prison. Wow. Wow. They said Epstein. Yes. You heard it correctly. Money, Epstein. money, money. Exactly. He did use a fake passport to travel to Spain, the U.K., and more. Um, um, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office said that his defense team, or the, as they're characterizing in the paper, the pedophile's defense team, said that there was no um, proof that he used these um, these fake passports. But he did go to Spain and the U.K. using these fake passports. And then, um, yeah, they, I was going to say, they, that's where do you go? <laughs> they what? <laughs> they stamp your passport wherever you go. They, wherever you go, go in that country of origin, they stamp it. 
So yep. come on, stop. <laughs> so so here's what they're doing now, Elias. They're they're trying to determine whether the attorneys lied on purpose because you can get disbarred for that, or did Epstein not tell him that he used it? See, they have like this plausible deniability thing. It's like, oh, I didn't know. He didn't tell me he didn't use. He told me he didn't use it, so I thought he didn't. But you can get disbarred for lying for that. So the judge has started ripping attorneys about that. The presiding judge did. Now, speaking of Epstein, wow. there's a private investigator who spent decades um, tracking um, at Jeffrey Epstein, and he's, he gave details about it on um, on CNN. And he's a former homicide detective who was first hired to trace him back in 2009 um, by the attorney um, Brad Edwards, who was re- representing one of the alleged victims. He said that Epstein um, would not take any young girls if they were old enough to um, once their braces came off. He said so if they're like there was a nine year old, there was a thirteen year old who looked nine, and Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein abused her. But once they got about fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, he didn't want them no more. Oh my God, man! What this dude is? He's ill. He's ill. Yeah, see, again, that's mentally ill. But the scary part about it is, but the scary part, Jerome, about what you just said is, President Trump has pictures with this man. No, he he doesn't just have pictures of him. They have evidence of him having a party with about 20 who they called models coming in, and the only two people there was Epstein and Trump. So they weren't just, they just didn't have pictures. They were running buddies. There's something else in his pedophile background. That he needs to deal with. with Have you seen the pictures of him with his daughter? With his arm around his daughter and Epstein standing next to him? Yep. Ah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it is it is beyond me why anybody actually have to have conversations about did he do something or didn't he? You know, so he talked to women anyway. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, again, I think it's European culture. Either their expectation, now I can't get into their head because I don't know folks like that, right? Just like they can't tell us about our culture. But I can tell you this, from the outside looking in, they do a hell of a job of ignoring sick people who are in their culture. So, and this, this goes to my next story, because it goes to the same thing. America, you know, we're celebrating sending a man to the moon, for example, right? But they don't admit that the help came from what they're paraphrasing as Nazi monsters helped them, right? But they won't admit to that over this 50th anniversary, right? The moon landing was, in fact, the brainchild of German scientist um, um, Warner von Braun, Kurt um, Dubois, and author Randa, or Rudolph. They were all three Nazi war criminals guilty of mass murder. Those three scientists, they smuggled them out of the United States, and they went to work for NASA. So as we talk about the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world, they, this is a pathology. It's a pathology. And so we just need to understand what that pathology wow. is. And I know all wow, of the wow, white wow. are listening to this broadcast. You need to understand when we say this, or that when I hit everybody else. Is that we are spiritual beings 
describing this biomechanical body, right? So as individuals, you could be good people. But collectively, as a pathologist, there's some sick stuff going that y'all not addressing, that y'all need to work out. Ain't got nothing to do with me. Huh. Or any of us on this show. Um, really? And again, wow. speaking, uh, and I'm only rushing the next story because it's the same thing. Oscar um, winning director Oliver Stone asked Val- Vladimir Putin. Now, he had an interview on the 19th of um, June. He asked Val- Vladimir Putin to be his 22-year-old god- daughter's godfather. What? This is Oliver Stone. And Vladimir what? Putin asked him, listen, what? she's 22. So Stone and Putin discussed whether um, Tara Chong Stone would ever become an Orthodox Christian after Putin admits that he, he was already the godfather of several children. So Stone called Putin a peacemaker and an optimist. And he said that wow. we'll make her... He said that we'll make her orthodox just for Putin to be her, his 22-year-old daughter's godfather. What the hell do we think is going on in this world with them? Oh, my. Yeah. Oliver Stone. Oh, wow. Oliver Stone. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow. And you know know it was Russia who released the transcripts because he was over there interviewing them. So it was Russia who released the transcripts. He wouldn't have said nothing about it. You're not going to see that on HBO when he does his other shows. But he asked him in private, or while he was doing the interview, it's actually on tape, to be his daughter's grand um, godfather and uh-huh. said, what would it take? And then Putin said that she off the docks Christian. He said, I will make her that. What the hell? Oh, my God. Good Lord. Why would you go anything to What'd you say? Well, that's a really Why good story. Why would you Because wow. because Russia as a white Christian nation, I think that white folks who are and this is my my guess, call in, send your emails and questions to Jay because I don't care. But if, if <laughs> I mean, because I'll answer this if you have a better answer than me. But I I'm guessing that since it is a white Christian nation. That and white supremacy is the the rule of the day. That people feel comfortable with Russia and all of those countries in those European blocs. They don't care if they're communists or not. They care that they're white folks and that those white folks don't like other folks. So we have to ask questions. You know, like Oliver Stone. What I thought Hollywood-wise, he was pretty liberal, but and he's his politics yeah, seem to be too. pretty liberal. But why would he want Putin me to too. be his daughter? daughter's godfather that's, so people play stuff on the surface and then they turn around and be exactly who you thought they were again we need to be over it I'm not trying to get into their psyche it's not my issue but I just put that out because of the, the, the show that we're doing today that's, it kind that's of, me man. you got uh, me on that one bro you got, you got me on that <laughs> one bro you got me on that it, one yeah, it's, it's just too weird all right. Um, El Chapo is sentenced to life behind bars and told to forfeit $12.6 billion to the U.S. government um, in his court hearing where he broke out, he broke his silence to complain about the, the um, torturous conditions in jail, but he thanked his um, wife for standing by him. 
So U.S. District Court um, Judge Brian um, Fogan granted prosecutors' request to jail El Chapo for life plus 30 years and additional years for firearm offenses in Brooklyn, New York. That's what the charges was on Wednesday. Now, I can tell you this. Wow. You sent this to me to life. You are not getting $12 billion from me. It might be. Right. Like, like, you get life and you need to forfeit $12.6 billion. Y'all can't convict Jeffrey Epstein of Jack, but y'all got to convict him of what? Like, having a gun charge? Yeah. Um, unless he... Unless he personally killed somebody, you're not convicting him for murder. You're convicting him for a gun charge. But a pedophile, eh, we can give him, uh, we can give him, um, you know, time served and let him go. Um, wow. A, a fifth grade teacher faces 17 years in prison after pleading guilty to secretly filming underage boys in the theater summer camp bathroom. And taking explicit photos. Oh my of children. God! Yeah, see, I can't avoid these stories because of the climate. Um, Thomas um, Guzzati Jr. of Vineland, New Jersey, Vineland, New Jersey, is a teacher at um, John H. Winslow's Elementary School, as well as a stage manor, manager and advisor to a Broadway theater of Pittman. So again, this is going on in your world. Um, we need to deal with it. An uh, LAPD cop is charged with raping two women after one victim reportedly led to um, a code DNA case in a separate case. Uh, so William Alexander Rodriguez, who was 32, was 33, was taken into custody on Tuesday and relieved of his police powers after a 10-week investigation on allegations. Just want to put that out there. You got a little better one than that, man. We, we need one more, brother. We need something better than that. Jeez Louise, wow. Oh, oh, I didn't know I was on the last one. Okay, so, yeah. you know, um, seismologist has recorded 3,000 earthquakes in California since that um, 6.9 magnitude earthquake of July 4th. In the area near um, Ridge Ridgecrest uh, Press in Southern California was hit by a 6.4 magnitude earthquake um, they're saying that they have 340 quakes stronger than a magnitude 3 since July 4th 340 earthquakes so they recorded recorded 3,000 already since then but 340 was over a magnitude of 3 something is going on people Good. Something is yeah. going on, and people need to pay attention to that real quick and real fast. No, the president needs to pay attention. Well, they're saying <laughs> 2025 and 2027, man. I mean, anyway, it's crazy. It's going to happen during our lifetimes, and uh, we just need to be prepared for it. Thank you, Jerome, as always. Now it's time for our final thoughts, ladies. The first, Vanessa Mae Belly from the Macinelli. You're up first. Final thoughts. Woo! Okay. First, I'd like to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be on the show, Jay, because I found the call yesterday when I met you, and you put your name on the back of the card. I was cleaning up, and I found the card in one of my purses, so I'm going to take a picture and send it to you. But it has been truly an honor and a pleasure to hang out with you guys on and off the radio, and that is the truth. I love you both. So I want to finish this up by saying that I think that all of this sexual stuff that is going on in the world today with what's been going on with children 
and teenagers and, and all of this stuff that's been going on for years and years and years and years and years. It's only coming out because of the president that we have in office. And we're finding out yeah. about all of the, the higher up people that have been sex offenders and sexual trafficking like that. The man who owns the football team. Who would have ever thought that he would have had something to do with sexual trafficking? The man who owned the football team. I would have. He's got something to do with that. You know, I just think that the president that we have in office is bringing all of this stuff out. The president that we have in office is just bringing, it's already there. He didn't start it. He's just bringing out all of this racism. I will say that. He started bringing it out. So I, 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 I just don't know what I can do other than to continue to tell people to vote 2020 and not just vote for the president election. I keep posting on Facebook that people need to go and vote for all of the elections because we need to get rid of the people at the bottom. Make these senators and Congress people on the bottom turn blue in order to help us get the people, the houses right, the Congress right. It's not just the presidential election, people, if y'all can hear me. You need to go and vote for every election. Just go in there and push the button, Democrat, and come on out. You ain't got to go through all that stuff if you don't want to, but we got to turn stuff blue. Turn it blue. Y'all have a great right. week. I'm praying for y'all when we go to church. All right, baby. Great for us. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, now we got to see Jimmy Fallon Got to be fine. Hey, I just wanted to say again, I appreciate the opportunity to to be able to come into the listeners' home and be part of this distinguished group of contributors. Uh, it, it again, at over the last year it, it has really uh, given me another uh, sense of purpose uh, to be able to, to educate and uh, be informed as well so as, as Jerome was giving his stories and as we were talking about one of the segments in regards to the, the laws in New York and California it took me back to Miss Jackie's comments last week and I kind of chuckled when she said you know keep your hands out my head so that's <laughs> That, that, that was kind of uh, interesting that, that at least some of the states were going to close you to that hypocrisy. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Mr. Jerome, we're going to lose the live audience. Okay. All right. Did Mr. you want to say something before you lost? Okay. All right. So, really quickly, on in the mood for you guys who saw Bruce's Millions. Um, here's a story, really quickly, that comes right out of that. A EU, a EAU millionaire plans to drag an iceberg to the country so that they can have more water. Now, so it's a small iceberg that they're towing to South Africa or Australia later this year, and they're saying they're doing that so that they can have more fresh water. Um, watch Brewster's Million. It was a joke on that movie yeah. a long time ago, but apparently somebody's trying it. Bring water to the desert. Wow. That's all I got. See you next week. All right. The man, the man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, Mr. Elias. Look, folks, all I got to say is get out and vote. Get out and vote. And, hey, look, vote your pocketbook, vote your conscience, but get out and vote. But if you vote in your conscience and you voting for Trump, we know what you are. 
Well, final thoughts are simple. Uh, I just want to say I'm just, uh, I thank everyone. People thank me for allowing y'all to be on this show. I thank you guys for allowing the show to be a part of your lives and allowing me to be a part of what you do. You guys are the absolute best. I know a lot of you guys personally. I know you guys, well, I know everybody here personally, whether I met you in person or not. Uh, this has, has been an extreme privilege in my life, and uh, I tell you, I can't wait. Sunday mornings I get fired up because I know I get a chance to spend two hours with some of the best people in the business. God bless you all. You guys bring so much to the table. And to the listeners, we appreciate you as well because without you guys, you know, there would be no reason to talk. And, you know, and, and some of the nice, nice messages I receive during the week, uh, they're just, they just make you want to get out and do more. Then, you know, we get those other messages, and God bless you too. doesn't matter. Interesting enough that, you know, you listen to the show. And you don't like what we say, but you hear every week, uh, you know, something's resonating and maybe we're getting through. You know, a guy sent me a note not too long ago talking about how he just used to listen to this show, how you guys talk about listening to Fox. I listen to this show to know what the enemies are about. He said, but a funny thing happened along the way. I started realizing you guys were telling the truth. So now I'm a faithful listener for all the right reasons versus for all the wrong reasons. So God bless you. God bless the listeners. God bless the contributors. And God bless the TGRS radio network in this nation. And if you are in one of these places where you're dealing with the heat storm and heat, heat waves, please be safe. Do those types of things. Once again, next week, Mr. L.E.S., Vanessa May Belly, Mr. Jerome Spree will be in the house. Me and Johnny D. will be breaking bread together in D.C. And we will definitely be tuning in. So we can't wait to get in and do those types of things. So, Mr. L.E.S., if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious item of J. Wow. Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you, Mr. Elias. You are the host of 